when we're wanting to encourage moss in our gardens, what are the type of conditions that we need to make? Okay. Um, well, there's a lot of parts of that um, question that I, I should address. So um, I often get asked about mosses in terrariums. Okay, so people like to have terrariums and try to propagate moss in there. The one thing you have to keep in the back of your mind is what was the moss growing on? Okay, so they, a lot of them are very substrate specific. So that means if it's growing on rock, it'll only grow on rock. So if you collect something off soil and want it to grow onto like rotting wood or a tree, it's not going to happen in most cases. So some of them are very, very substrate specific. So okay. why, is, why is that? Just the way that they've evolved, you know, something's evolved to be epiphytic, and so it'll always be epiphytic. Okay. Yeah. So there's even some that are specific to, to dung, like in the Northern Hemisphere, there's some that only occur on reindeer dung, uh, oh, right. and nothing else. So if you're trying to propagate moss, you have to really um, keep in mind what it was actually growing on. Um, even to the point where, you know, if you collect it off a, a, off a rock that's um, basic rather than acidic, is the rock that you want it to grow on the same. Right, yeah. yeah. So something that likes calcareous rocks, for example, might grow really well on concrete or something like that. Um, in terms of growing it in the garden, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be using town water for one thing because I've, you know, I've tried to um, expand the mosses in my garden and in drier times was watering with town water and yeah, a lot of them are quite sensitive to that. Right. Uh, which I can talk about later as well. Um, and the other thing is that you, you have to keep them moist but not overly wet. So that, you know, they, most of the mosses, um, you don't have to have them with water. They've, they've got this fantastic mechanism where they've adapted to drying out. Um, and that desiccation tolerance is um, dependent on what ecosystem that you, your moss comes from. So they're what's classed as, as um, non-vascular so they don't have a vascular system so oh okay in our bodies we've got veins and arteries to mm. move blood around in plants in in a lot of terrestrial plants they've got the equivalent is called xylem and phloem so the xylem moves water around the phloem moves nutrients around the bryophytes don't have a vascular system so all the moisture they absorb they absorb straight over the leaf surface what happens is they they there might be a heavy dew or a rain shower the water runs into the leaf, gets sucked up into the cells. They start using that water for photosynthesis. Uh, what they can't use, they're losing back to the environment. So if you can picture a leaf and it's full of all these little plant cells. So imagine those little plant cells are like water balloons. You know, you've got no water in, they're pretty flop, floppy. If you fill each one of those up, they start to expand. So what you find is you've got all these cells inside your moss leaf that all of a sudden are filled with water and it pushes all the, the leaf surface out so the, 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 the moss plant's got the maximum available surface area for photosynthesis while it's got water. And as it's losing water back to the environment, those cells in the leaf are getting smaller. And what happens, uh, the leaves start to close up. And then those leaves might actually start to curl around the plant. So they're really quite remarkable plants that they can dry out and wait until they have that, that moisture back into their leaves. Does, so, does that mean that there's uh, mosses in arid regions of Australia? Yep, definitely. So um, mosses occur everywhere, except they don't like seawater, okay? So every other ecosystem you can think of, you'll find moss. Um, so in the deserts, yeah, there'll be species out there that are, have adapted to, you know, basically being dried out for months or years 
and waiting until there's a, a rain shower. Wow. So they can quickly open up, do their photosynthesis, do their reproduction, and then shut down and wait again. So they're really quite remarkable. Um, I was actually around the Condomine area a, a few years ago doing some surveys there. It was in um, like late January and they'd had no rain for about three or four months and the temperatures, the da daily temperatures were getting up to about you know high 30s, low 40s every yeah. day. So it was baking hot and no moisture. And I found this liverwort in this, this gully and it was bleached white and I thought, oh, it's, it's dead. Nothing could have withstand these temperatures and no water for this long. So I dug it up and I sent it to a colleague of mine down in Canberra who was studying that particular group of liverworts. And uh, I got an email when she got it back, uh, when she got that package. And she said, oh, I got your liverwort today. I put a water on it and it greened up straight away. And I went, oh my God, that's, that's amazing. I said, it was, I thought it was dead because of these conditions. And I explained what this moss had been growing under, this liverwort had been growing under for months. Uh, and no, it was just sitting there waiting until it had moisture on it. So yeah, really quite remarkable. And even waiting while it was in transit, yep. in a package, no sunlight, you know, Exactly. whatever conditions it was that's yeah that's remarkable yeah and that's why they're a group great group of plants to study because um, i can go out i can collect them i can stick them into a little packet like this so it's just an a4 uh, a4 folded envelope so i just collect the moss straight into that um, when i get back to wherever i'm staying or, or at home i'll just stand them up like like little tents to dry out uh, but the cool thing is like i might not be able to to look at that moss for a couple of months, you know, maybe six months later, I can pull it out of its envelope, add water, the leaves will open up, and it'll, it'll be all greening up again and, and comes back to life. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, we've got specimens here of, of moss that were collected in the 1800s. It doesn't mean that they're still alive. They're well and truly dead. They're they still have a lifespan. They're not yeah. immortal. Okay. Right. Yeah. However, um, as I explained before with the cells swelling up and pushing the leaves out, you know, I can pull out a specimen that was collected in 1880, for example, out of the collection, add water, and the leaves will open up because it's the cells absorbing that oh, water right. and expanding and forcing the leaves out. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, really? So the plant's I, 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 well and truly dead, but it still has goes through that, that motion because of the cells swelling up. Yeah, like uh, like when you put salt on a snail, a dead snail, or frog's legs, or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, so does that mean that uh, with climate change there are no uh, threats to mosses? We see a lot of threats to other plant species, a lot of biodiversity. Yeah. Um, but moss being so hardy, does that mean that they are safe? Uh, no, it doesn't mean that they're safe. Um, we know that there's some moss species up in the wet tropics that are only occurring on the highest peaks right up the top. Um, so they've adapted to those high elevation wet areas. And with climate change, that, that, that temperature incline or whatever is going to move up. And so the conditions of those higher peaks are going to change. So there is um, the potential that some of those um, high elevation mosses uh, could disappear from Australia, definitely. That's uh, up in the Atherton Tablelands? Yeah, like on um, Mount Lewis, on Mount Barbara Freya, Wunaru, yeah, or any of those mountains. So what what does that mean for the uh, uh, ecological community there? Well, it means it could change quite dramatically. Um, with my honours study, um, I actually looked at the bryophyte flora on the Antarctic beach forest, the North Vegas forest. 
um, and they they probably are, are prone to to changing as well. So at the moment, the Antarctic beach forests are persisting on those higher peaks on the border ranges. But with climate change, what I suspect is going to happen is that you'll find that some of the more subtropical elements of rainforest are going to start invading into these um, Antarctic beach forests. And so it, it probably alters the microclimate underneath the can canopy as well. And you may find that some of the species of moss that usually occur in those forests might start disappearing. These uh, Antarctic, like, prehistoric forests are amazing systems yeah. so um yeah uh could we go see some moss yeah do you want to look in, in the packets or do you want to look them outside uh outside yeah. the living ones yeah.